Hebrews chapter 2. This morning, we'll be looking at verses 5 through 9. Hebrews chapter 2, verses 5 through 9. He's speaking on the topic, what is man? What is man? How would you answer that question? Where would you go? What is man? And just for context, I'll start reading at verse number one, Hebrews chapter two. Therefore, we must pay closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. For since the message declared by angels proved to be reliable, and every transgression and disobedience received a just retribution. How shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? It was declared at first by the Lord, and it was attested to us by those who heard. While God also bore witness by signs and wonders and various miracles, and by gifts of the Holy Spirit uh, distributed, distributed according to his will. And here's the passage we're going to focus on. For it was not to angels, and this is why we should pay attention, for it was not to angels that God subjected the world to come of which we are speaking. It has been testified somewhere, what is man that you are mindful of him, or the son of man that you care for him? You made him a little lower than the angels, you have crowned him with glory and honor, putting everything in subjection on his feet. Now in putting everything in subjection to him, he left nothing outside of his control. At present, we do not yet see everything in subjection to him, but we see him who for a little while was made lower than the angels, namely Jesus, crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering of death, so that by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. This is God's word. All flesh is like grass and all this glory like the flowers of grass. The grass weathers and the flower fails, but the word of the Lord remains forever. This is the word of God. In chapter one, the author of Hebrews has laid out uh, the reality of why we should hope in Jesus Christ. We should hope in Jesus Christ. We should hope in the son of God because first of all, he is fully God. Now in our passage and probably for the next couple of Sundays, we'll see the author giving us another reason for hope. Our hope is in Christ because he is God. Our hope is in Christ because of his humanity. He is superior because of his humanity. And this is what the author of Hebrews will be laying out for us here today. And why is this important? Why is it important that God 
and uh, sent Jesus Christ, who is fully God and fully man. Why is that important? Well, for one, Christ became a mediator between us and God because he's fully God. And it's important also because Jesus Christ came and he fulfilled the purpose for which man was created. Originally, God's original purpose for man was that he should exercise dominion over creation. We read that in Genesis 1, and we'll go back there here in a little bit. But obviously, man is not reigning and ruling in the dominion that God had intended for him to. He failed. Man failed. Adam failed in the garden. And because of Adam's failure, we all fail. We all fall, fall short of God's original intended purpose. And this is where Christ comes in. Christ comes in and he, as the God man, he recaptures man's lost destiny. In his humiliation, Christ fulfilled God's intent for man to be the perfect ruler. Christ fulfilled that for uh, us. On our, he did it for us on our behalf. He came and now he is the perfect ruler on the earth. And, and one day, because Christ is the perfect ruler, one day we're going to rule. We're going to judge the angels, the Bible says. We're going to rule one day. Why is, that, why, why is that possible? It's because of Christ. It's because Jesus is not only God, he is man. We have hope and suffering. In, in suffering in this world, as, as Pastor Mark uh, has mentioned, we, we, we have hope because Jesus is both God and man. We can suffer. We can suffer and we can give our lives ultimately for, for the cause of the glory of God because absent from the body, present with the Lord. That's possible because Jesus Christ was a man. And so the author, he, he as, as any preacher does, he, he lays out this argument and he goes to the Old Testament and he pulls from the Old Testament this truth. And so this is the first point of the outline. Man is the crown of creation. Man is the crown of creation. And as before we get to the text, the author is continually doing what he has been, been doing as he's showing the angels, he picks up his discussion on the angels that Jesus is superior to the angels. And, and we, we read last time that because of Jesus Christ and the gospel that he brings is, is superior, uh, we should give heed to him. We, we should not neglect the gospel. We should not neglect Christ. Because in verse 3, it said that no one will escape judgment. If they if they neglect the salvation that the son brings, if you neglect that, if you turn away from it, if you do not see it as sufficient and you do not anchor, put the anchor of your faith in, in Christ and, and, and all that he, he has done and who he is. If your faith is not anchored in Jesus Christ and you think that you're in the next world, things are going to be good for you. The author says you won't escape. You will not escape. The judgment. So here now in verse five, he tells us. For it was not to the angels 
it was not to angels that God subjected the world to come of which we are speaking. Some Jews, uh, particularly those who uh, followed the Dead Sea Scrolls, they, they, their tradition held that angels ruled the world. That that angels ruled. This is this is perhaps why the author is is dealing with angels and and their status in regards to Jesus Christ, because the Jews, some Jews, believed that angels ruled the world. And, and notice in the text here, it says, for it was not to angels. He, he, he again is, is making the argument of, of the angels being inferior to Jesus Christ. He says, it, it, he says that the world to come, what, what is the world to come? And this is the world the, in a sense, it's the age in which Christ has been enthroned as the victorious son of man. He, Christ now, he has been raised from the dead. He is now seated at the right hand of the father and he rules and reigns. And the kingdom of God, in a sense, has already been established because of Jesus Christ. This is the, the world to come refers to the the age, uh, the 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 age, and and the new world, and, and the new heavens, and all that it entails, the new life that we have in Jesus Christ. It, it is Jesus Christ who rules this. He is the one who controls uh, the, the the new world to come because he's preeminent over all things. In Hebrews six, Hebrews six and five, we get an idea of this. In Hebrews 6 and 5, and it says, and have tasted the goodness, talking about uh, those who have uh, given uh, mental assent to the gospel and have tasted the goodness of the word of God and the power, powers of the age to come. Those of us who are believers, we now are experiencing uh, the, the, the working of the powers of the age to come in Jesus Christ. Uh, Paul says that, we as believers have everything that pertains to life and godliness. Why is that possible? Because right now, the that world in which we're going to be in ultimately uh, is is we're already experiencing the works of of that world in the in the here and now, because of Jesus Christ. We can we can we can have confidence that even now we can live the Christian life as an overcomer because of Jesus Christ and his rule. He is already ruling. Jesus Christ is not waiting till uh, his return to start ruling. Jesus Christ already rules. He already rules and we can have confidence in that. And so why is the author pointing to this world to come? Why is he making mention that angels are, are not the ones who are ruling this world? Well, perhaps there were those who, and as it is today, struggle with the humanity of Jesus. Some of you may even be saying, my life is hard. You know, I'm a believer, and Jesus says that I'm an overcomer, that nothing shall separate me from the love of God in Jesus Christ. 
but my life doesn't feel like an overcoming life. My life, the life that I live, because perhaps you're suffering and you could be suffering physically and, and it may feel like Jesus Christ is not ruling. The author says he's going to tell us that Jesus is ruling. Don't put your focus upon the angels because they have nothing to do with the world to come. There were perhaps even critics who questioned that Jesus, how could Jesus be great if he died a shameful death? We, we face that. If you go out and, and do any kind of evangelism, you'll have someone who will ask that question. How could Jesus be God if he died? Well, the author helps us to understand and he points beyond uh, the life and the, the here and now to Jesus Christ. Jesus' death on the cross was not the end of the story for us. This is the blessing of Jesus being the God man. He, he is exalted at the right hand of the father on high. And his journey started with his incarnation and his coming into the world. And so uh, when we go and we talk about the, the in Genesis and how man has been given authority. And, and we'll look in Psalm 8 and how that man has been crowned with glory and honor. Ultimately, all of that points to the necessity of Jesus Christ and his humanity. And this makes Jesus better than the angels. And so the author says that the world to come is not subjected to angels because it is Christ who, in a sense, bridges both worlds, the world, uh, the, the heavenly world and the world of man. It is Christ who brings both of these worlds together, not angels. Angels cannot do this. And so he goes on in verse six. It has been testified somewhere. It may seem like the author here is. Is uh, he, he is he may be uh, given little significance to scripture, but by not mentioning the author. But the but what the writer of Hebrews want us to do is focus upon the fact. Remember, in Hebrews chapter one, he says, God has spoken. What is the emphasis uh, uh, upon in Hebrews is upon the fact that God has spoken. And so here in the text, the author doesn't want us to focus on the person who uttered the words of these uh, these scriptures that we're getting ready to look at in Psalm 8. We, we know that the writer is David. Obviously, the writer knows that, but he doesn't want us to focus upon who wrote the words in which we're getting ready to look at. Because the focus is upon God. The even though the human author has written the passages that we're going to look at to follow, the focus is upon God. And what what passage that we're we're talking about? We're talking about Psalm 8. And this is where this quote comes, what is man that you are mindful of him or the son of man that you care for him? This is a quote found in Psalm 8. So let's turn over to Psalm 8. Psalm chapter 8. And this quote here is specifically from verse four. Psalm number eight. And I'll just read it in its entirety. Psalm 8, 
Verse 1. O Lord, O Yahweh, our Lord, our sovereign, the sovereign Lord, Adonai. Uh, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. Out of the mouth of babes and infants, you have established strength because of your foes to steal the enemy and the avenger. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have set in place. And here is the quotation that the Hebrew writer is making mention of in his letter. What is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you care for him? You have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. You have given him dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, and also the beasts of the field, the birds of the heavens and the fish of the sea, whatever passes along the path of the seas. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. The psalmist here is quoting and uh, looking at the, he, the, the David is, is, is probably sitting out at night and he is looking up at the stars and he is pondering God's greatness. He, he, he is pondering God's greatness. And really, Psalm 8 looks back to the original plan for mankind to have dominion. Psalm 8 is God's intent for man. This is God's original intent for man was to rule, to have dominion over uh, all things. And, and this, 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 this amazed David that the God who created the heavens and the earth, God's whose glory, he says in verse one, is set above the heavens. This God pays attention to and cares for man. This God cares. This great, majestic God cares for man. He pays attention to man. He cares for man unlike he cares for any of, of the other creatures that was created. He God cares for man. And so this this question, what is man to 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 and that question is even being asked in, in our time. What is man? Well, you, if you're going to answer that question, you have to start with who the, who the, who David started with was God. You have to you have to go and begin with God. And, and so we when we talk about man, we talk about God. When we talk about God, we talk about man. We have to have a philosophy of God. And a, and a philosophy of man, if we're going to think about Christ and the gospel rightly. And so the, uh, the, right, the, the Hebrew writer points us to what is man that thou art mindful of him and the son of man that you care for, for him. Again, he is raising up the, the uh, raising our attention to the fact that Jesus Christ is superior to the angels. Now, look at. Verse seven, back in Hebrews, he says, you have made him a little lower than the angels. You have crowned him with glory and honor. This is verse five of Psalm chapter eight. You have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory 
and honor. This astonished uh, David that the, the creator bestowed such significance upon one who is insignificant. And, and he says in verse five that he made man a little lower than angels. Even though God made man a little lower than angels, God crowned man with glory and honor. Man is a, is a, is a unique creature. He, he is a unique creature who has the God-given privilege and the honor of being created in the image of God. This is where this glory and honor comes into place. Man is a creature that has been given, uh, created with the image of God in him. So turn to Genesis, Genesis chapter one. This is what we, we read earlier. Genesis chapter one, verse 21 through 28. And I think Mark has already pointed out some of the, the differences between man and the created, other created creatures. But I want to point out a phrase to you here in Genesis chapter two, uh, chapter one, verse starting at verse 21. I want you to pay attention to when it says that God created it says, uh, you, you hear this phrase, according to their kind. Listen, listen for this phrase. So God created the great sea creatures and every living creature that moves with which the water swar uh, swarm, according to their kind, and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. And God blessed them, saying, be fruitful and multiply, uh, be fruitful and multiply and fill the waters in the seas and let the birds multiply on the earth. And there was evening and there was morning, the fifth day. And God said, let the earth bring forth living creatures according to their kinds, livestock and creeping things and beasts on the earth according to their kind. And it was so. And God made the beasts of the earth according to their kinds and the livestock according to their kinds and everything that creeps on the ground according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. Now here is the change. When it comes to man, when it comes to humanity, listen to what it says about humanity as God's creation. It says in verse 26, Then God said, Let us make man not according to his kind, but he says, let us make man in our image. This, this, this is what David is talking about. This, this baffles his mind that, that man is made in the image of God. He says, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion. This, this is the first time that this word is mentioned. In, in reference to the creation, who has, who, none of the animals have dominion. It is those who are, it is man who is made in the image of God that has dominion. He says, let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the, uh, birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female. He created them. 
And God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. The author he, uh, of, of the author of Hebrews points us to the psalmist who points back to Genesis and the, the privilege that man has, the unique privilege that man has in being created in the image of God. Only man is the image bearer of God. All creatures uh, have life and they have being, but only man is in the image of God. And because of this, this is important for our time, because of this, God, God's special care uh, for man uh, is seen in the fact that when man's life is taken, what God says about those who takes his life, who takes the life of a man, of a man, a woman, or a child. Man who is created in the image of God. What, what is the penalty for taking the life of one who is made in the image of God? Genesis 9 and 6 says, whoever sheds the blood of man by man shall his blood be shed. For God made man in his own image. This is this is man who has been crowned with glory and honor. God, God cares for man to the point that no man can take another man's life. Exodus 20 and 13 says, you shall not murder. Exodus 21 and 12 says, whoever strikes a man so that uh, so that man, uh, whoever strikes a man so that he dies shall be put to death. If a man strikes another man and put and 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 that man dies, whoever put that man, uh, whoever caused that man to die shall be put to death. That that is how serious God is in caring for those who were made a little lower than the angels, those who were crowned with glory and honor. And this is relevant for our day. This is why abortion is heinous. It's, it's, it is taking the, the, a, a creature that, that God is creating in the womb and putting that creature to death. That The penalty for that in the Old Testament was death. Man, man has, man has, was given glory. He was crowned with glory and honor because he was made in the image of God. And even man in his fallen condition is, is still have, in a sense, that the, the, the dignity and honor of being made in the image of God. And, and, and so man who has been, as we've seen in Genesis, man was created to have dominion on the earth. Uh, the writer of Hebrews says that you made him a little Lord and angel. You crowned him with glory and honor. Uh, man was, was, was put on earth, look at verse number eight of Hebrews chapter two, putting everything in subjection under his feet. Now in putting everything in subjection to him, he left nothing outside of his control. This and again speaks to mankind, humanity, that that God in creating man put everything into subjection on his feet. Nothing and uh, now putting everything in subjection to him, he left nothing outside of his control. Again, Remember that this all points to 
the necessity of Jesus Christ and his humanity. Because it would be Jesus Christ who would, uh, everything would be given in subjection to. But uh, mankind, uh, mankind and humanity uh, is, uh, God has created them to be uh, rulers. Now, this is the role of, of, of Adam and Eve. This is the role of, of all men and women. God's intention was that they would put, uh, would bring order to the world in which we live. And this is delegated authority. Uh, this, is, this, is, this is not a right that man has, but it's a delegated authority. But, but, but we run into a problem as we think about this. As we think about man and everything being put into subjection on his feet, that he is crowned with glory and honor, something has happened. It, it doesn't look that way. If you take a look at the news, if you take a look uh, at what is going on in the world, it doesn't look like man is ruling and reigning in the way that God originally intended. And the reason is man has lost his dominion. Man lost his dominion to Satan. And now the Bible says that Satan is the prince of the world. He is, the, in a sense, the ruler of the world because man has lost his dominion and given it, in a sense, to Satan. And so man cannot exercise the dominion that, that he, is to, he is to have. Our only hope is Jesus Christ. Uh, the writer goes on in, in, in Hebrews. He says, at present, we do not see everything in subjection to him. Why is that? Because God's design for human beings have not been fully realized. Uh, you read Psalm 8, you, you quickly realize that this is not the way things are for us in the world. And this points us to Jesus Christ. Christ will bring dominion when he comes back. He, he, will, he, will, he came to do, Jesus Christ, our Lord came to do what we could not do. And he's going to undo what we have, what mankind has done. Christ is going to undo all of that. In verse nine, he says, but we see him for a little while made, was made Lord than angels, namely Jesus crowned with glory and honor. This is the first time that Jesus, the name Jesus is used in Hebrews. The reference to Jesus Christ was all in the beginning was to uh, the son of God. But now the author of Hebrews focuses upon the fact that it is Jesus, Jesus Christ, who is God's exalted son. And it is he who, in a sense, will fulfill what the 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 writer of Psalm 8 and uh, and the writer is quoting here, it, was, it is he who will fulfill these things perfectly. Christ will restore the original intended purpose that was lost by the fall. This is why he is pointing to Jesus Christ. But we see him. And notice he says, but we see him for a little while made Lord and angels. When was Jesus made Lord and angels? Well, it was in his incarnation. When Jesus came into the world, and was born as a man. He, 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 it was then, and it says for a little while, he was made Lord, a little while pointing to his incarnation. He came into the world. 
And it says that he was made, he, and Jesus was crowned with glory and honor. Uh, his, he is crowned with glory and honor because he suffered death for you and I. And this is why the, Christ came. God sent Christ into the world to die for us. And Christ, he now reigns because of his death, his death, burial, and resurrection. It, it's amazing that Jesus Christ would, who is God, would come into the world and die. That, that should blow our mind. But the writer says that Jesus came and he suffered death, he says, so that by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. Angels uh, have not died, will not die for you and I. It was Jesus Christ who came in his incarnation, uh, came as he came into the world, born as a child, grew up to be a man, walked on his earth. He died for you and I. He did all of that in order to restore you and I back to the original intent that God had for us. And the writer says that this was the grace of God. It wasn't something that we deserve. The cross of Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ dying on the cross was because of the grace of God. Jesus tasted death as a work of God's grace for us. You and I deserve to die. You and I deserve to be condemned. You and I deserve to go to hell. But for those who God has chosen to place faith in Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ took your place. This is why it's important that Jesus Christ is the God man. He tasted death for everyone. Now, this everyone doesn't mean that every person or everyone who lived will be saved. Because if you look down in verse 10 of Hebrews chapter 2, it says, for it was fitting that he, uh, that he for whom by, by whom all things exist in bringing many sons to glory should make the found, founder of their salvation perfect through suffering. The writer says, he says that, it, that Christ will bring many sons into glory. It doesn't say all sons. It says many sons. Uh, so this many sons has limitations. It, it doesn't refer to every single individual. So Christ tasted, tasted death for everyone. Who is everyone? Everyone whom God has chosen in Jesus Christ. Christ tasted death for them. Christ became a man. Christ became a man, came into the world, suffered and died by the grace of God for everyone who will place faith in Jesus Christ. And so this is the importance of understanding the humanity of Jesus Christ because as uh, as a human, Jesus Christ would bring us back to the place in which we are restored uh, and and we'll be able to rule in the world to come in a way in which God originally designed for us as human beings. So I want to say to you, it was kind of a challenge, challenging passage to get through for me, but it, it says something glorious about our Savior. It says something glorious about God, that God cares for man so much what does John 3.16 says? God so loved the world that he gave his only 
begotten son. He, Jesus Christ is God's grace. God loved us so much that he gave his son to die for us. He gave his son that we might believe in him and have eternal life. There is no other way to eternal life but through Jesus Christ. He is the one who is highly exalted. He is the one who will enable us to rule with him one day. And that was God's intent. That was God's intent. Let us pray. Father, it is it is so wonderful that you care for us. You care for us in a way that we often don't care for one another. As we see in the world today, abortion and homosexuality and all of the, the debauchery that sin is bringing about in the sinful, in the heart of men. You, you care for us. It's amazing that you created man and you care for him and man turns his back on you. And Father, we see your care for us ultimately in the Lord Jesus Christ who came and had a body just like ours, who suffered and, and is able to identify with us in our suffering because he was man. And Father, may we never turn our back upon Christ. May we never forget the sacrifice that he paid when he left heaven. The, 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 the king of heaven left heaven to come to earth, to be born into the world as the God man. And, and how often our care and concern for Jesus Christ is reflected in our indifference at times and our lack of concern for the things of Jesus Christ. May we never neglect Jesus Christ. May we, even as believers, Father, whenever we wane in our love for Jesus Christ, I pray that you would help us to see and to set our focus upon Jesus Christ and cry out like the, the angels in Revelation who says, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing." May we cry that out in worship because of what and who Jesus Christ is. We thank you, Father, for Christ. In his name I pray. Amen.